for today's guest though. We are talking to my girl, Angela Rockwood, TV producer, actress, model, freaking rolling goddess extraordinaire. It's another episode of The New Narrative. Yay! Hey! <laughs> yeah. So everyone, um, as you can see, Angela's a good friend of mine. <laughs> we, we be chopping it up all day, every day. Um, you know, we're part of somebody, uh, another great friend of ours, Stephanie Thomas, who, you know, is both of our stylists and a great, great friend of both of us. So that's how me and Ange actually met on a photo shoot years, years ago. And since then, we've been close. We've been cool. We've been, you know, we kick it a lot of the time. You have to kick it more yeah. often. But yeah. so for those who don't know who this legend is, Ange is a TV producer, model, actress, uh, multi-hyphenate bad bitch and <laughs> she is legendary because she is one of the first people that was really pushing for disability representation and inclusion in the entertainment industry and doing it in a way that was like true to the lifestyle not like a ableist weirdo kind of oh woe is me story and so uh we're going to be talking about all that today on the new narrative yeah. so what i want people to to first at least get a background about is like you know who you are and how did you become disabled because i think we have to start at like the root of the story so that way when we come with what we want the new narrative to be people get like the full circle picture of what's going on oh yeah no problem so I wasn't born with my disability. Uh, I was injured one week before 9-11, so about 19 years ago. Yeah, 2001, one week before 9-11. I was planning my wedding with two of my bridesmaids, and I was in a backseat of a car. It was a distractive driving incident, so get off your phones and pay attention to the road. But the road was slippery, and my girl was driving, and during that time, it was CDs. You know the CD book where you're, like, flipping through CDs? Yeah. Looking up, looking down, looking up and she lost control of the car. I was in the back seat. I hit the top of my head and I shattered my C4, C5 vertebrae, severed my cord to smithereens. When the car flipped like four or five times, I was catapulted out of the triangle window. And then I laid there till blood bled to death, saw the white light came back. When I woke up, boom, woke up in that hospital. And imagine being like on morphine, paralyzed. You wake up, you're looking up at the ceiling. And it was like deja vu. I felt like I've been there before. I had like this thought like, oh my God, I'm alive. That was the first thought. And then wow. second, of course, I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't move, but I was like, okay. And I don't know if you guys believe, but there's a little voice talking to me, blah, blah, blah. I had this vision. I told my father, dad, you need to go get a book, a journal, go to Barnes and Noble, please. He sat by my bedside. He wrote word for word that vision and I'm living it till this day. I heard the fuck. Hey, girl, you're about to make me... And I have the out. book. And I have the journal. And I have everything in it. So I got proof of it. In my father's handwriting. Girl. And that will be in my book book. So people Wait, will see that. Like, Where's the book book? So we can see <laughs> yeah. the book book. Yeah, I got to do that. So many questions are running through my head right now. Oh, yeah. Like, Go for it. Throw it at me. Like, we got an hour. So just throw it at me. Throw it at me. Right. So going through an experience 
like that and having the vision because you're a believer i'm a believer so you know when you was talking about i don't know if you girl <laughs> i believe girl so yeah. you know going through an experience like that what was like the trigger in your mind that was like i have to write it down and write down a vision like because again like you're morphine this is happening this is happening yeah and you would think the natural reaction would be like oh my gosh how do i heal how am i going to do yeah. this how am i going to like trying to figure out what life is going to look like but you were like no fuck that i got a vision yeah. dad write it down like so what is that do you think well i got, I got a simple answer for you and it goes way back so i'm gonna take it back for the believers so it's simple. When I was 17, I had a premonition that I was going to be in a horrific car accident. Mm. I was 17. I was in Tampa. I got down on my hands and knees. I was like, what the heck am I going to do with my life? And I prayed to God and I was like, I was scared, whatever. And I had this whole flash of my whole life and I saw the car accident. I was just like, okay, whatever. And then I remember leaving home at 17 and, you know, I don't believe in this stuff, whatever at that time. Cause you know, I was just highly Christian and my mom yeah. dragged me to go see this, um, in America, they call them psychics, but my mom's country, she's from Thailand, so we call them prophetess because mm -hmm. there are those that are blessed with the gift mm -hmm. and they don't do it for money. So she brought me to this person and the lady was like reading me and she's like, yeah, your daughter is going to be in a horrific car accident mm -hmm. and just kind of waved it. And she was just like, oh, your daughter is really special. Whatever she asked for, she can have it, blah, blah, but she's got to be careful. And she talked about the accident, but of course they were speaking Thai, so I didn't know what the heck they were saying. Right. So fast forward, she wrote everything on this little piece of paper. So when I was 21, after leaving New York, after modeling, I was like, I can't believe in this stuff. So I ripped it all up because I was like, I got control of my own destiny, right? Yeah. So the car accident that I was injured now, a year prior to that, I was in a car accident. And I thought mm. that was it. So when I woke up from this accident and I looked up at that ceiling, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm alive because I remember laying on the side of the road and I was remembering trying to get up and I couldn't because mm. I was already paralyzed. And then I thought, I laughed. I actually laughed and I looked up at the ceiling and I was just like, God's going to make me learn this lesson. And my biggest lesson was I was that woman running around doing the five to six things at once. I had too much pride to ask for your help. Like mm -hmm. for me to say, well, can you do this for me? It's better for me to like execute it than to tell you because I could do it faster and do it the way I want it. So now here it was, I was now going to be a quadriplegic. I couldn't even get up and get a drink of water. Now I had to ask for someone to get it for me. Mm. So I was like, okay. But then, like I said, I got the vision. But when I was laying there, no joke, I wasn't scared. And you're talking to someone who was like, I raced motorcycles. I was a runner. I was a martial artist. And here I was, I was in this vessel. Now I couldn't move. I couldn't feel. But I had this sense of peace over my body. Like I felt comfortable. And it was like serenity because I was just happy to be alive. Yeah. When that voice spoke to me saying everything's going to be okay, this is not going to be permanent. And then I got the vision. I just knew I just had to focus on that vision. And I, I couldn't look back. And that's all I knew. And I had two paths, either the positive or the negative. Right. And I knew I had to take the positive because if I took that negative, no one's going to bring me back because right. there's some demons down there that I've seen and I don't want to see them again. Yeah. No, you that yeah no that that totally makes sense i think that's the thing that people kind of either don't give us credit for in a sense or don't realize that we just like anybody else has the choice between a negative and a positive right of yeah. how we want to view our lives and how we want to experience our lives 
And for us as people with disabilities, there's like certain people that really choose the positive because we know the negative isn't an option. It's oh, like we know it's there, but it's like, it's not an option we're gonna take. You know exactly. what I mean? It's almost exactly. like when you have a bunch of food on the table and you're like, I could eat the Brussels sprouts, but I don't know. I'm having the turkey. Right, yeah. exactly. Like I'd yeah. rather eat the grapes. Like I don't fucking yeah. know. So it, it's kind of like that same thing. And, and that's like absolutely incredible to me, which makes so much sense about who you are now, like knowing the root of that and moving forward. Because Lolo, babe, I've been through so much crap my whole life, even from when I was growing up to being yeah. when I was little, to being raped, to being in abusive relationships, to just beating up on myself, my own enemy, just so many things that I wasted so much energy. And I was in these dark places, always trying to get out. Like my girlfriend always thought, maybe you're bipolar, but it wasn't that. It's just when you're an overachiever and you're constantly beating yourself up and trying to achieve that level that you keep putting yourself at, and you don't reach that expectation, you like struggle with those demons. Yeah. And I just didn't want to go there anymore. And I knew after being paralyzed, like, I just can't waste energy. Like, if I go down that negative path, like, what? What is that going to do for me? That ain't going to do anything. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's as simple as that. Exactly. Okay, so now you've had your accident. You have this vision mm -hmm. of what your life is going to look like. Did you ever have that moment, like, okay, once you're out of the hospital, when was the time that you were like, okay, now that I'm back on my new normal, Let's go. Let's start building this. Let's start doing Thanks. that. I love you. As soon as you ask me the question, the answer is like there. I can, ease, I can easily answer it. So immediately, I was ready. I stayed in intensive care unit for nine days, and then I was transferred to Rancho Los Amigos. But I was like, okay, we got this paralysis thing. We're we ready. And my ex-husband was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, no, because I was ready to go back out, start working, doing my thing, whatever. And my ex-husband had to tell me, Ange, no. Yeah you got to focus on healing. And yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was like a gym rat. Like I was in the gym twice a day, working out six days out of the week. And I'm like, I did this for like love. Like, what do you mean? I got to heal. So I spent a good six years on a path of healing mm. to seek all kinds of healers. And that's predominantly what my life was about in sweats, tennis shoes, not my tennis shoes, because I didn't buy them. I was using my ex-husband's tennis shoes. Yeah. Spend no money on tennis shoes. But basically, I I would go down to uh, San Diego and I was at this rehab facility called uh, Project Walk. And I went there three times for two years, three times out of the week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then I saw a Qigong healer and I saw an acupuncturist. So my days were booked with healing. So for six mm -hmm. years, that's all I focused on. Wow. And then around about the third year, I left America and I went to Lisbon, Portugal, and I had a stem cell surgery done. Mm. And then once I had the stem cell surgery done, everything shifted. And then I had to start going back into myself and start finding that balance between healing and finding my life again. Mm. And then by the fourth, fifth year, that's when I got back into the business. That's when I started yeah. to tap back into who I was as a woman, as a person, yeah. not this person that was injured and on this path of like healing. Got you. So it sounds like you've done kind of both Western and Eastern medicine. Yeah. Like what is your preference as far as medical is concerned? Well, I'm very, I'm very Eastern and in, in a very old school way of just, I believe that the body can heal itself to a certain degree. 
I believe in the in the mind and holistic. I'm mm-hmm. that route, but of course, there's things where Western has to step in and take over. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, like for example, me, I was like laying on the side of the road with a broken neck. Like Eastern's not going right. to fix my neck. Western needs to take over and put some plates in my neck and right. Right, do all right, the right. things that it does. You know what I mean? So it's Absolutely. just the balance. I'm all about that balance. If I have a headache, I'm not going to go run for an Advil right away. Like I will drink water. Maybe I'm dehydrated. I'll press some pressure points, mm-hmm. you know, things like that first before I take that Advil. And that's so interesting because it's like, you know, we just get caught up in thinking like because a doctor said it, it must be Bible. It must be right. It must. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, to a certain degree, sure. What they're talking about is true, but there's a lot of things that still can be fixed in a natural way. In Western, they like, for me, they put a bandaid on it as if Eastern, they go down to the root of the problem of where it's happening. Why is this headache going on? Why do you have these allergies? So they go down to the root of the problem to get rid of that, as opposed to putting a bandaid on it and giving you medication. Exactly. And I 100% agree with that. So you said, you went through six years of healing and then it took about like another three, four years before you got back into the business. Is that where the idea for push girls happened? So when I got injured, I was blessed. You know, most people say, oh, you're paralyzed. You know, it's unfortunate, but I actually look at it as a blessing because I was now transported to the realm of the paralyzed. I was placed on this path. And the thing is, being in a wheelchair and just who I am as a person, people naturally gravitate to me and they just open up. Mm-hmm. And they share their stories, right? Because they think, oh, well, I hurt my leg or, oh, I went through this or, you know, because there's just that common denominator of surviving something. Yeah. So in the first year when I was going to this rehab facility, there was all these individuals with spinal cord injuries. And the one thing that I noticed is a lot of women were losing themselves because between women and men, you know, society teaches us that we have to walk around sashaying and being cute and this and that and sexy. And guys are like, you know, guys, whatever. That's a whole story. But you become paralyzed from the neck down. You gain all this weight. You can't move. You can't put makeup on. You can't do things. You can't be feminine. So you start to lose yourself. And so I was on this path for three years where I had all these different walks of life come up to me, whether they lost a breast to breast cancer or they went through a spinal cord injury or they were dealing with AIDS, whatever it was. And people were sharing their stories with me. But I noticed something when I was sitting there in that gym and I was looking at all these women, I was noticing that there is something inside of them, like this light, that soul, that essence, whatever the genetic qua you want to talk about, whatever you want to label it as. And I was just like, you can't lose that. Yeah. If you lose that, then you can't get through the predicament. You can't get through the struggle. You can't get through the obstacle. You can't get through the lesson. And so I knew right there and then that I needed to create a team a team of women warriors Mm -hmm. to remind the people that whatever you're going through, AIDS, losing a breast to breast cancer, whatever, that you have that essence, you have that spirit, you have that warrior energy within you to fight. So my girl, Ati Angel, who was on the show with me, my BFF. I met her. Yes, Ati. So I met her the first day I got into the rehab facility. And the funny thing is we lost connection, but we reunited three years later. So when we actually reunited three years later, she came to my house. It was Christmas. I invited her for a Christmas party. She walked into my house with braces. She sat next to me. And I remember telling her, I said, we need to create a team of women warriors to go out into the world and to basically just put all the gusto and the energy and to remind others. 
So that's where the start of Charlie's Angels began. Ah, okay. So I had me and then Ati and then my girl Mia, Shika White. And then I was looking for my blonde, blue eye. Like I wanted an all-American girl, right? I'm, yeah. I'm the Asian American can represent Ati's represent the Hispanic. We got Mia who's our like Jewish beautiful goddess princess, right? Yeah. And I was like we need a blonde all-American girl. And I have a couple girlfriends in chairs that you know, but it's not just cuz you're cute on the outside whatever, it's also this essence. The Charlie's Angels it had an essence, you know? The whole kit and caboodle. So make yeah. that one story short. Charlie's Angels was created. I met Tiffany Adams through Santina Muha. She came here. And I saw her and there was something about her. And so that's where I created the team. And then I told the girls, I said, look, I got this vision. Again, when I get these visions, again, the vision. The vision, the, vision from the, book. the vision from the book, from the journal. So I said, I don't know what it is. I, I, I have this vision. We're going to go out there. I kept seeing it. It was almost like a workout video, but I was telling them, I was like, no, it's not a workout video. It's like mind, body, spirit. It's like everything. I didn't know it was a reality show at that point. I just kept seeing this flash of a vision. So we went out as Charlie's Angels. We did a couple of things here and there. Um, and then finally, that's when it happened. And if you guys believe in the law of attraction, I'm all about manifestation. That's a whole other thing we need to talk that's about. That's a whole other, girl. Yes. That's a whole other hour and a half somewhere else. That's a, and that's how it happened. I got a curse and a blessing at the same time. Whatever I say with my mouth, you guys believe the believers. When you speak with the tongue, it, you know, it, you manifest it. So whatever I say, good or bad, I have to watch out what I say because I will manifest it. So no joke, no joke. And I warned my girls. I said, we're going to be doing some big things. So there I was, flash forward, in my room one day with my best friend cleaning the closet out. And my girl Geraldine was sitting in front of me. She's like, and you're doing all these things. You're like a mall. You're acting. You're like, a, you know, ambassador for the Reed Foundation and, and all these things. But you need like your own reality show. And I was like, reality show? I was like, I'm a serious actress. What are you talking about? So, you know, we we're like joking, whatever. She goes in the closet because she's like cleaning my closet out. She comes back. She throws a whole pile of cards on my lap, like business cards, because I go to these events and stuff. Yeah. And I'm, she's like, go through the cards and funnel through it and then throw away whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, okay. So I go through it and I see this American gladiator card. And I have a dear friend, Michael Hearn, who's an American gladiator, but I was like, Mike never gave me his card. And then I looked at it and it was the executive producer of American gladiator and fear factor. His name is David Hurwitz. Wow. So rewind, rewind really, really quick. And I'll come back to the point. So a year prior, I actually met David, never spoke to him, nothing. I, one of my friends, I'm, I'm a martial artist, so one of my martial artist friends brought me to an American Gladiator tryout with him. We're in Venice Gold in this long freaking butt-ass line, sorry for the ass, but we're in this line, mm -hmm. and it was about to downpour, and my friends were worried about me getting wet, so they like ran me in front of the, like, the tent, sat me in the middle of the street, and I'm thinking... Okay, I'm sitting in the middle of the street. Someone's going to come up to me in like five or six minutes, ask me why am I sitting in the middle of the street yeah. and tell me to move or whatever. So sure enough, not but three minutes, this guy starts walking up to me. I said, oh God, here we go. Nobody knew who I was. And he's yeah. like, excuse me. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, is your name Angela Rockwood? And I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, oh my God, you're married to Dustin Wynn? So it turns out this guy read my love story in People Magazine with my ex-husband. Oh. And he was enamored by it, him and his mother. 
then he introduced himself. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. My name is David Hurwitz. I'm the executive producer of American Gladiator. So he gave me his card. Okay, so I had this card, Lolo. Follow me now. So I'm fast fine, forward girl. back to the bedroom with my best friend, yes. with the card in my face, okay? I'm looking at the card, not thinking reality show right now, but I put the card aside thinking, you know what? I'm going to drop this guy a line or two, whatever, whatever. I swear to you, Lolo, and if I was lying, God can freaking paralyze me again. The very next day, boo, the yes. very next day, I get a freaking Facebook message from him. Shut it. I swear to you. Girl. Girl, I swear to you. He goes, hi, Angela, David Hurwitz, executive producer, American Fair Factor, blah, 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 blah. I wanted to talk to you about a possible reality show idea. So. Originally, Hold on, let's you, you never knew this minute. story. I thought you knew this story. I did not know this story. I thought you knew that story. I never knew this. No, oh, there's more, but there's more. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Okay, keep going. so then I'm like, whoa. So we met. So originally, the show was supposed to be about me, how I can't sit still. He was going to name it Can't Sit Still because I'm this quadriplegic going around, doing everything. Da, 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 da. That's going to be the book, Can't Sit Still. So going around, going around, doing all this stuff. And he's like, I want to do your life, like what you do, whatever. And I was like, okay, all right. And then he introduced me to my executive producer, Gay Rosenthal. She was the executive producer of Little People, Big World. She goes all the way back to VH1, where are they now? She goes all the way back to Star Search. So I'm aging myself Jeez. now. Yeah. Yeah. So when she met me, she's like, okay, cool. But then when she met me and my husband, my ex, she fell in love with our love story. And I was like, mm, no, because nobody knows, but I'm going to break up with him. So it wasn't about the love story <laughs> anymore, you know? And that was the thing too, out of respect, because I loved him so much. I didn't want to be another couple going on to a reality show and breaking up on live, t live television. Like I yeah. just didn't. So fast forward the story, I was doing all these different angles to try to like steer her to the direction of the Charlie's Angels. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so that's where it pretty much all started before I called all the girls up and said, Hey, you guys, remember I was talking to you guys about like big things. Are you guys ready to pitch a reality show with me? And then that's where it started. First of all, let's just take a moment and let that whole story sink in <laughs> because Ange, you know, I'd be on my same manifestation stuff, like putting something out to the, you know, girl, I got vision boards. Yeah, there's my vision board. You see it over there? Oh, girl, mine are over here on this wall. Like, friends, yeah. it's yeah. not a game. And yeah. I even have those moments where it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, everything is manifesting. This is absolutely like crazy. You gotta it's, try. It is such a beautiful feeling when you're actually talking to somebody who gets it through and through. Because a lot of people are like, oh, manifestation, just stay positive, da, da, da. It's like, no, it's deeper than that. Yeah. And when it does manifest, it's a whole other, like. I like, teach manifestation classes. You know that, right? No. You didn't know that? No. I've been teaching manifestation classes since David Zimmerman. Thank God for David. He's the one that got me to do it. So I probably started teaching before push girls actually what? so i've been teaching classes i've taught and then i stopped for a while because after push girls obviously i stopped and i stopped yeah. modeling i stopped doing everything and after the show i took three years and i just jumped off the radar because that's a whole other story what happened right. after the tv show right and then i came back to life again 2017 clearly i didn't even know as much about my friend as i thought i did but yeah that's why i said we have to grab a drink 
exactly. This is this is exactly why. And god damn it, girl. <laughs> let me get back to my questions before I get yeah. distracted. This is so amazing. Okay, so you got push girls, you got the idea, you got producers interested, wanting to make it happen and all that stuff. So what was that process like? Because truthfully, I'm entering that process myself. What was that process like pitching content and Woo! at that time too? I'd rather be paralyzed all over again. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna break it down for you. This is why I say that. And I say that positive. I don't mean that all negative anyways, but yeah. you guys have to understand when we did this show, okay? And I'm very humble. If you guys know me, Lolo, my friends, they know me. I'm a very humble person. Very. So what I'm about to share with you, I'm not trying to be all pompous, whatever, whatever, whatnot. It's just to give information out there for those of you who want to manifest and create your own projects and everything. So yeah. 2011, during that time, you didn't really see disability. You saw Breaking Bad. You had RJ Mitty, my boy, RJ Mitty, Jamie yeah. Brewer of American Horror Story. There's a few folks out there representing, but not an actual reality show that had a full cast yeah. of people with disabilities. And so when David Hurwitz first approached me about my life, we did go to a network. Now remember, it's Gay Rosenthal, so she has connections with all the networks because she's yeah. been around. So we went to every single network. But the first big person that we went to, we were sitting there and it was interesting because first we were pitching my show, but I didn't want it to be about my show because it wasn't about me. It was yeah. all the people out there out in the world. And I was smart because I had a photo of me and my girls on a couch without the wheelchairs. Mm. And this is the picture they were staring at. And then the next photo is, oh, bam, we're in chairs. How you like us now? Right, right. You know? So my executive, she spoke and then my ex-husband spoke and Dustin's like, oh, whatever Ange wants, you know? And then when I spoke, I spoke from my heart. I was like, oh, like, something funneled through me, whatever, because my executive producer, she didn't want to do the show yet. But once we figured it out and she realized, because when I spoke, we left that first meeting and Gay Rosenthal was like, okay, I'm ready to meet your girls. So when Tiffany, Mia, Ati, and myself, when I finally round up the team, we met Gay Rosenthal and we went on this journey for, my God, I think it was four or five months of going to all these networks in Hollywood. I wish we did a reality show of just that, just to see people's expressions. Because we're up in there in the producing room with the producers, executive producers, all these big heads. And I'm telling my story. And Ati tells her story. Mm -hmm. Then Mia tells her story. And then it was like a whole process. And you've seen these people completely dumbstruck. Like you meet one powerhouse, but you got four fierce phenomenal powerhouses they're like eh. they don't know what to do right. and every time we left they just were like dumbfounded yeah they had no clue they didn't know what to do they didn't know what hit them wow and everybody said no they weren't ready for it they, they were scared you know why because we didn't fit the formula they didn't know first of all they were like when gay rosenthal was telling us what they were saying and stuff they're like well who's gonna watch people in wheelchairs well that was the same thing that they talked about little people big little people big world who's gonna watch little people who isn't gonna watch them nobody knows about their life so you're sitting here pitching to these people convincing them i started to get smart because i started to realize again vision board yes because when you're sitting there telling someone oh i'm paralyzed from the neck down but i model and I act, 
Mm-hmm. And oh, she works out at a gym. And oh, she dances. People can't phantom that. They can't see that. Right. So you need to paint that picture for them. So what did I do? May he rest in peace, my boy Kenny, my little hair fairy. I said, Kenny, we need to make a vision board. We need to visually create this board showing these people how we do what we do. Mm. Most people say, oh, why don't you just do a reel? But no, this, this, I have the vision board. So oh, I think it was CW. I don't know who it was that we went in, one of the big networks. And I called my executive. I said, hey, gay. She's like, yeah, this right before, like, it was like 30 minutes before a huge meeting. And I said to her, I'm going to be bringing in a vision board. And she's like, what? It's <laughs> like, just trust me on this. She's like, well, well, I was like, just trust me. When you meet me in the parking lot, I'll show you if you don't like it. Just, just, but just trust me. Yeah. So we went in, we propped that little vision board up. I started throwing facts and figures and numbers and all this because that's their language. Right. And they're just like, oh, oh, okay. And they started, you know, I always say mine would stretch by new idea can never turn to its original dimensions. They started to get it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wait, repeat, yeah. say that quick one more time. You said what? A mind once stretched by a new idea can never return to its original dimensions. So when you show these people, mm-hmm. when you show it to them, to visually see it, then, yeah. okay, oh, okay, oh, oh, yeah, that is interesting. Okay, yeah, well, that's how she works out. Well, that's how you model. Okay, I got, even my grandmother was like, what, you model in a wheelchair? How do you model in a wheelchair? You're paralyzed right. from the neck down. I'm like, grandma, yes, right. I model. <laughs> so anyway, so fast forward the story. Yeah, everybody said no. We went on a four and a half, five months pitching spree journey and everybody said no and most of the folks in the camp were like uh but finally i got smart i'm not gonna say what i did but that last network who actually bought us yeah they bought us and they're a big one because i said to them i said you have this show which is a kick-ass girl show it's scripted but i got the real unscripted voyeuristic show for you right now Mm -hmm. okay so they bought us we shot. We even had a party here, a big old party. Woohoo! We're gonna be on TV and we're have our show. Blah blah blah. And three days before we were gonna go on, mm-hmm. the female president left. A male president came in and said, "What are we gonna do with girls in wheelchairs?" And they dropped us. Yikes! So most people in their right mind would be like, "Okay." All the networks said no after five six months. Then you actually signed contracts and you shot. And now you've been dropped. Most people was like, it's not meant to be. And they would give up, right? Right. Yeah. But no. So I remember telling the camp, Mm-mm, this is meant to be. I didn't become paralyzed. I didn't see these visions, whatever, whatever. Long story short, we took three months off. Mm-hmm. But the beauty was the blessing. There's always a blessing. There's always that like silver lining. So we had this excellent reel that was shot by this network of our story of us. So my executive, Gay Rosenthal, took the reel and we thought, what network is bold enough to think outside of the box? She thought of Sundance. So she called Sundance up, she sent the reel, and she said, check this out and give me a call on the end of the week. So Sundance, they took the reel, they watched it, they fell in love, and the rest is history. I love that. That is, that is incredible. I, listen. And, you know, I can ask you questions galore, but because we need to get to the Q&A part, I do need to ask you, for the sake of the show, what do you want the new narrative to be with regards to representation in Hollywood and programming? 
to put the real back into reality, exactly why I created and manifested my show that this can happen to anybody. You know, it's all about educating. If you want to fade the ignorance and broaden the minds, you just have to bring real stories, real life and show it the good, the bad and the sexy. That's what it's all about. Girl, because you know I like the good, bad, and the sexy bitch. Yes, that's my thing. The good, the bad, and the sexy. So that's what it's all about. And for all the people out there, all the push girl fans that keep asking if there's gonna be a third season, you better buckle your seatbelts because I didn't look what happened, but you better hold on because it's gonna be one hell of a ride. Hey, hey, that's so exciting, girl. Let's see what these questions because they are filling up. Ah, there's so many right now. I don't even know where to start. What advice would you give someone who's trying to do the same thing in the UK, meaning pitch a show and create a show? Oh, do it. Do it. Just get your team together. If you have a producer or a friend who has experience in that, if you're going to go into battle, you're going to go into war, you better make sure you bring some tools, some guns, some bullets, all that stuff, right? Some soldiers, so too. Yeah, bring your soldiers. So make sure you get someone who is an executive producer or producer. Make sure you get someone who knows a few folks to get those doors open. I think that's the biggest thing a lot of people sleep on is the importance of networking and mm -hmm. knowing other people. Like, yes, we are great. We've done conquered everything in life but we still need those allies we still need those people to support us and help us you know push through every stage in life and anything that we want to do so I and let me say that. something because you know again people say oh but she had this guy like call her up and she met this guy we can't meet if you can't meet anyone you can't go and network put your stuff out there we live in a world of technology there's freaking TikTok. there's instagram there's youtube Put your stuff out there so people can see you, share it, and then start shooting. You can shoot. You can take a regular phone. I think on Netflix, there's a movie called Orange or something. They shot all on an iPhone. So oh, start yeah. shooting your show and do little episodes and put it out there so someone can see it. And exactly. then approach Netflix. Approach, approach these individuals. Send it in. Yeah. And, you know, that's actually another good one because that's, kind of more so my story as far as content kind of catching wave, it was because I kept making content and then all of those people started coming to me. When I was Thank going you. to events, they approached me because they saw all of the content that I was putting out there. Because at the beginning, like, you know, I had Industry Connects, but it wasn't like anything serious, you know what I yeah. mean? But it wasn't until I started creating content that people were like, well, what you got going on over there, Lolo? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, listen. Thank you got to show up. You can talk, 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 talk all day. That's what we did. You can talk, talk, but you got to show them. You got to visually show them. They have to see you. You got to interest them. Exactly. Everybody has a story, but you need to give them a little taste of the icing. Exactly. They want the cake. This is actually a good one. Prior to your accident, did you have the same vision? Like the one that was in the book? Yes. My vision is always about going out into the world and representing because when I was growing up before I was paralyzed there wasn't the Asian representation out there that strong Asian woman representing and so that was why you know people don't know this but I actually was going to go to medical school I was going to become a doctor mm. I was torn right and left and I basically left it and I started modeling so I could be the first Asian supermodel and I just understood that if you had a name or a face that you can move mountains and so and just represent so I already had that vision. So then when I got injured, it just catapulted me to another dimension where I just had more of a force 
to really want to represent. Now I was paralyzed and now I'm Asian American and a woman. So I had all these for me. I love it. Okay, here we go. What is the best way to stay motivated throughout the day? To wake up every day and be grateful for one little thing. And that's just to be alive. And just for the littlest thing, the littlest thing that I have a nurse to come and get me out of the bed to help me. Like any little thing that you can just focus on, that is how you stay positive. Don't sit there and throw it out there like, oh, I don't have this or, oh, I'm not a millionaire or whatever. Don't focus on that stuff. Focus on the littlest things that I'm laying here healing. I got people around me that love me. Just focus on the littlest things. Love it. 100% agree. What advice would you give to someone who wants to model as a fellow model with a disability? If you want to model, then you better be comfortable in front of the camera. Go out there, shoot, 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 shoot. Shoot as much as you can. Get comfortable in front of the camera. Do your homework. Look at magazines. Learn poses. Because what's going to make you different from all the other models? And then once you get comfortable in front of the camera, then start putting yourself out there, reaching out to agencies. You can go online and start submitting yourself and then just go from there. There we go. Same advice for me too. Just get in front of that camera. Okay. As a quadriplegic, what is the best way to lose weight and to keep the weight off? Okay. So I lost 70 pounds after being paralyzed. Two books. Go get these two books. Eat right for your blood type and fit for life and combine the two. Eat right for your blood type and And fit fit for for life. life. Okay. How do you disguise or forget your insecurities in front of the camera? That's a great question. Well, it depends what you're doing in front of the camera. Are you acting? Are you doing a commercial? Let, so, let's say let's say it's modeling. Well, that's why you got to practice. That's why you got to get comfortable in front of the camera. So what you do is just go in front of the mirror and then just start focusing. And the thing is, if you have that insecurity, start make-believing like when you're a child. So if the cameraman is in front of you, the guy is cute or the woman's cute, flirt. Just flirt. You know, have fun or look through the camera lens and see people through the camera lens and like sit there and just like start looking and like make love to the camera. Don't focus on the insecurities and give it, give it. That's why you have to practice. You have to practice in front of a mirror, in front of friends, like, you know, take an iPhone, whatever, Google Pixel and just start practicing. That way, when you actually work, you have all your poses, you're confident and you got it. That's why they're hiring you. Exactly. (laughs) And I will also add to that. Don't ever be afraid to, quote unquote, look ugly in front of the camera. Don't be afraid to take a bad shot. Because I think- That's my favorite. (laughs) I think people, when it comes to modeling, people get so caught up in wanting every shot that they take to be like fire, like it come out fire. But it's like, no, take a chance, move whatever you can. If you can't, like, then work that face, no. And the other key thing, my director told me this, he said, because this was the very first time I ever acted was in Give Me Liberty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of nervous. I ain't never acted before. And he said, don't worry about it. The lens is just a piece of glass. Exactly. And that changed exactly. everything for me. I was like, I'm going to be scared of a piece of glass, <laughs> a piece of fucking glass. So take all that to the head. What else do we have? Is it more difficult to pitch an idea to men versus women? No, I didn't think it was difficult because we had stories that happens to everybody, men and women, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't think it was difficult. Yeah. I think men or women, the challenge is just people understanding that we can do things beyond what they think we have the ability to do based on their assumption of our life. Yeah, because you got to understand too, that we also had men in our stories. Like I was married right. to my ex 
and then Ati was married, and then Mia was falling in and out of love, and Tiffany was trying to figure out if she wanted a man or a woman. So right. we had men in our stories. So these people are probably thinking, oh my God, men like dating women in wheelchairs, and like, you know, so their minds are just like going, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And might I add, earlier, when you mentioned, you was like, I don't want it to be about my guy because I'm about to break up with him anyways. I loved that you said that because a lot of the time people think that, and I got caught in it in my earlier dating stages of feeling like, oh, I'm just glad that someone likes me. So I'm just going to hold on to this no matter what kind of situation. But you were like, yo, I'm married. I was with this man through my accident. And even still, I'm like, that's the thing that people don't understand what I went through is that I was married to him. I was with him two and a half years before my accident, we were married for 11 years. I was with him for 13 years. And so that was the biggest, like he was a celebrity. Yeah, he was on 21 Jump Street, whatever. I was a quadriplegic. Most of my friends, like it took me two years to make that decision because most of my friends are like, are you crazy? Like he's your security. Like that's, security is an illusion, you guys. But basically I just broke up with him. And then on top of that, as a quadriplegic, I lost all my nursing care. 18 hour nursing care. And then now I just been blessed with my own TV show. So if you watch interviews, I was like a deer in the headlights. Like what is going on? I didn't even know who was going to get me up at six in the morning when those cameras came in. And if you saw braids in my hair and hats looking all cute and stylish, it was not because I was just trying to be stylish because I didn't wash my hair for four or five days. Mm, you know what wow. I mean? We were just making it work. We were making it work while this show was going on. I was like, what is going on with my life right now? Girl. <laughs> Listen, we are down to the last minute and you got to come back because there's so many levels to who you are that like, we got to do another hour. We got to do another yeah. hour. Maybe you could be a guest on my sit and sip after hours, girl, because that's when I'd be talking all sexy like and stuff. So yeah. that part. I love it. That part. So uh, girl, I'm amazed by you. You are absolutely incredible. You know, I love you to death. We Thanks. will have Ange come back and talk some more. I'm just at a loss for words because there's so much more I want to say, but I'm running out of time. So, um, Ange, I love you. I love you guys. Stay tuned for the next new narrative. Listen, y'all, I did not want this conversation to end. I'm definitely gonna have to bring back my girl, Ange, for a part two. The gem she dropped about positivity and manifestation was truly inspiring. I just hope you all got something you can take and apply for your life as well. It's a must that you follow my girl, Angela, on Instagram at the real Angela Rockwood. Thank you again and catch me next time on The New Narrative. This podcast is brought to you by Entertainment Speakers Bureau in association with Sitting Pretty Productions and Tasty Shop Media with production sound design by Bonnie and Clyde Productions.